the Call It Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 moment, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. My name's Holly Powell, and I am here today with um, some really exciting guests. We have three military chaplains uh, here that I have snagged out of the exhibit hall to come chat with you guys. Uh, would you be willing to introduce yourselves? I am Canon Wally Jensen, retired Navy chaplain. I'm the candidate to the Bishop of the Armed Forces and Federal Ministries. I'm Chaplain Mike Demon, and I serve at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I'm Chaplain Elise Gustafson. I am stationed at Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas. Thank you all so much for being here. This is really exciting. I was hoping for one, and I got three, so it's awesome. Um, Well, the first question is, I guess I'd just like to know a little bit about what a a military chaplain's responsibilities are, um, how you got into this job, uh, what your background is, that kind of thing. Um, So I am a battalion chaplain. It is kind of the entry-level position for uh, chaplains in the military. I serve in the Army. Um, So I have a battalion of 650 soldiers and their families. I'm their primary chaplain for them. Uh, So whatever denomination, faith tradition, or lack of faith tradition um, they come from, they're they're my people. So kind of (laughs) learning how to take care of them and meet their needs, whatever they are, is a big part of the job comes down to two big responsibilities, uh, religious support and religious advisement. And so religious support is really that First Amendment requirement for free exercise. So every commander has a responsibility to ensure free exercise for his soldiers. So like Elise was saying, all those soldiers, wherever they're coming from, um, the commander has a responsibility to make sure their needs are met given the challenges of military life. And so that's one big thing we do. Um, we do that by either performing or providing uh, for their needs. So if we can do something that a soldier asks, we do that. We perform that service. Um, if we can't, we find someone who can. We make sure that those needs are, needs are met. We provide for that need. And the other piece is religious advisement. I think it's no secret that in the conflicts we've been in, especially the last 15 years or so, um, there is a religious component to the fight. And so, um, not that it's a religious fight per se, but just knowing that that is an aspect of the battleground can really aid commanders when we come with our level of thinking and expertise. And I am a, uh, I was a soldier, a uh, combat soldier in, in uh, Vietnam. I spent uh, 13 months in Vietnam in country, uh, left the army, went back to school, uh, was ordained, served in a parish for a while, was in the Navy Reserve, and then went on active duty as a Navy chaplain, uh, where I spent, uh, retired after 25 years. I'm now the candidate to the Bishop for the Armed Forces and Federal Ministries. Our responsibility is to provide ecclesiastical supervision and ecclesiastical endorsement uh, for Episcopal chaplains serving in the Department of Defense, the Department of Veterans Affairs, and the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Okay, so you encompass prison ministries as well then? Federal prison ministries, not not state and local, but federal prison ministries. Okay, okay, I did not know that, that's cool. So how many um, Episcopal chaplains are there serving currently? 105. Wow, so I have like three divided by 105, (laughs) like... 3% right here. Yeah, Yeah, we're recruiting. We really need to have young priests Mm -hmm. in order to serve in the military. A a person needs to be no older than 39. 
sometimes we can get waivers up to 42. Those are becoming increasingly more difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, for the Veterans Affairs, Department of Veterans Affairs, there is no age limit, so you can serve uh, as long as you're able to do physically and mentally the work of chaplaincy. In the Federal Bureau of Prisons, they are very rigid. They have, you have to be hired before you turn 37. If you attain wow. your 37th birthday, you have aged out. You're too old for the Federal Bureau of Prison Ministry. Fascinating. So we are really eager and in desperate need of young male and female priests who are willing to uh, entertain the prospect of a call to that difficult, really difficult ministry. Currently we have two chaplains in Federal Bureau of Prisons, both of them women. One in West Virginia at a women's prison, and the other in Florida at a uh, male uh, detention center. So tell me a little bit about what it's like to um, to provide for the needs of, of the active uh, soldiers. And you, you both mentioned, you know, that's such an important part of your job. Um, what what types of things might that entail? I did have one instance where I had a, a Hindu soldier realize he couldn't uh, eat in the defect or for his uh, for his particular case he didn't want Tell to. Tell what that is. Uh, dining facility. Yes. Oh. Sorry. Thank you. It's Chow Hall. Yeah. Um, cafeteria. You know. Um, but he. Thank you. Thank you, Wally. Um, so uh, what? Basically, what I, I did is I helped him make a case to his commander. Uh, no, I did not make the decision, but I basically helped advocate to the commander that he, he has um, these wants, needs, desires based on his religious faith, and these are ways that we can accommodate him so he can still do his job to the best of his ability. So that's that's for. That's when we provide for a need that mm -hmm. comes out from outside us. I mean, I would I would say probably around eighty percent of my job is is more one on one counseling with soldiers, um, helping them work through the stresses of being away from home for the first time, or marital issues, or or um, the op temp the operation tempo of the military is pretty high. Um, so then that other 20% of the time does revolve around uh, worship services. Um, we also do a lot of, of funerals. I do about one funeral every two months or so as well. Um, that's with the National Cemetery of Fort Bliss. We're on a, just a continuous rotation. Um, with, with services, I, I would say the hardest part of the job is just physically getting to the, where the soldiers are. Um, there's just a lot of hurdles. Uh, you have to be in the right uniform wearing the uh, bulletproof vest and a helmet and you have to have a Humvee and you can't drive alone and you have to figure out where in the desert of New Mexico your <laughs> platoon of 20 people are so that you can do a service with the five people who want one. Um, and what's a Humvee? Uh High mobility wheeled vehicle, I think, is the acronym. But it's, a it's the fancy vehicle. jeep. Yeah, it's a fancy, <laughs> big heavy fancy jeep. Yeah, fancy jeep. Um, so, so a, it it can take uh, eight hours on a Sunday just to get to where the soldiers are. Um, and then once we're there, it's kind of figuring out how to how to make it work. You're outside. You're in the desert. What can you use as an altar? Mm -hmm. What can you use to shield the wafers from the wind? Uh, <laughs> right. All sorts of stuff like that. So uh, that's for me. It's that's been the biggest learning curve is kind of mm. just the logistical piece of, of getting to. It's not something they teach you in seminary. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, 
do you are there other um, clergy folks from from other denominations that serve alongside, or or is there just one kind of religious chaplain for each? There are, according to the Department of Defense, they recognize 205 different denominations, different faith communities. Wow. Most of them are, are Christian, though not all of them, certainly. Uh, we're getting increasingly more requests for pagan services of various kinds. Um, Association of Atheists and Free Thinkers are looking for chaplain services. And none of us can really quite figure out what that would look like and what that means, which is why they don't have uh, atheist chaplains yet. Um, we have to figure out how we can provide for um, people of Jewish, Islamic, uh, Hindu, Buddhist, uh, Catholic, Orthodox, the various Protestant denominations, and then the growing number of young service members, which is the nuns, no religious preference. Right. So it is an incredibly challenging. Bishop Magnus, the Bishop of the Armed Forces, uh, talks about uh, most parish clergy have to deal with questions of ecumenism. We deal way beyond that with issues not only of pluralism, but as he likes to say, pluralism on steroids. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I, I hate to say this as a, as a woman, but I was surprised to see a female because I wondered if um, with so many denominations not recognizing uh, female clergy, if, if, have you ever experienced any issues around that or, or people asking for different representation or anything? Um, not, not too much. Um, you know, it, there there aren't very many of us. I think there's about eighteen hundred active duty army chaplains. Is that right? That sounds about right. And there's only sixty five women. Oh wow! Um, so we're about just under four percent of of the chaplain the army chaplain corps is, is female. Um, I I tend to think of it as uh, an asset and a and a something to work. I mean, so I I. And much more able to talk with spouses, our female soldiers, um, and then there's times where the issues are either are trying to prevent a conflict of interest, working with with both a, a, a husband and a wife. Mm. I, I refer the male soldier to a male chaplain. Sure, um, but that's that's not very often. It's happened a couple times, uh, but not. But on the flip side, I've had plenty of male chaplains say, hey, there's a sensitive issue with the female soldier. I'd like to meet with that soldier. And so I think it's just as much of a benefit as it is a hindrance. I think that's great. Yeah. In the Episcopal Church, we have about 30% of our chaplains are, are women. It seems that I, I have a, a close friend who's a priest and, and was a parish priest for a few years and then really felt called to be a chaplain. Um, and it does seem like that's a, a very particular call. Do you all uh, have any any insight on that at all? Well, I think it's a, from our perspective. We, we interview all the applicants uh, who want to be Episcopal chaplains in the Armed Forces, uh, Federal Ministries. And it, it is each one of those different branches of Federal Ministry is a unique call. And it requires a... a very deep sense of, of spiritual formation, priestly formation, and, and a very mature sense of discernment about that call because it, it is so difficult that it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, the challenges, day-to-day -day challenges of being away from your family, being isolated by yourself while you're trying to help people dealing with those issues is a real challenge. 
uh, the kinds of things that our chaplains do on a daily basis uh, in terms of the hours they put in. When I was on board ship at sea, we worked regularly 18 hours a day and uh, and then did other things for the remainder of the time. Sure. So uh, you, you go different places, at least talked about sometimes taking six hours to get where soldiers are to do worship services. When I was a chaplain on an aircraft carrier uh, with a battle group, we would do services on board the ship and then board what we call the Holy Hilo and fly around to every ship within the battle group to do services. So our day would start usually with a worship service about 6 or 6.30 in the morning and finish at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night when we came back onto the, onto the deck. In addition to that, on board the carrier that I was on, we had 100 different religious events every week. Not all of those were led by chaplains, but they were all supervised by the chaplain's department to make sure that everybody had what they needed to have to do their services, but also to make sure that there were no uh, regulations being violated and that the, the religious services being held were, were legitimate religious services, however those faith communities define them. Wow. That's fascinating. You all brought this little pamphlet here, and I know that my audience listening can't see it, but it's a uh, it's a little uh, liturgy pamphlet from uh, Fort Bragg. And is this yours? Yes. Yeah, so it's, this is the service booklet for the uh, Sunday morning service that we do presently. Um, it's a uh, it's really living out call to common mission with mm-hmm. the ELCA. So myself and a, and a ELCA pastor we lead the service um, at uh, 9 a.m. Almost at zero nine, um, nine a.m. On, on Sunday morning, and it's uh, it's really living out our call to common mission. That's great. So it, I mean, it, most people will probably recognize it as a fairly regular, you know, Episcopal and uh, Holy Eucharist. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a way also to partner with our ELCA chaplains, make us stronger together. I've noticed that a lot of um, campus ministries are also doing mm-hmm. uh, common partnerships with Episcopal and ELCA. So I think that's great. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really, in a sense, a microcosm of the whole church. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is, within our microcosm, more often than not, we're doing things before the rest of the church. We're, we're, right. really, we're really out on the cutting edge of, of uh, creative ministries and creative liturgies and finding ways to, to care for uh, all members of the military service, the Department of Veterans Affairs, and those who are incarcerated in the Federal Bureau of Prisons. We'll find that in, when we're in, in town, so to speak, there are chaplains that we may not, or other priest pastors we may not regularly work with. But once you're kind of in uniform and you're, all, you're wearing all the same uniform, same American flag, and you realize that we all really do love Jesus together, mm-hmm. then you find a lot of the things that are maybe smaller, and but yet important, they still, the smaller they are, they fall away so that um, really the soldier's needs can be met when, when it gets really hairy out there. Sure. In a sense, Bishop Magnus and I like to say that one of the requisites for being successful as a military chaplain or VA could be a prison chaplain is that you have to check your ego at the door. It's <laughs> not about you; it's about caring for other people. Right. Sure. So I hope this question doesn't put you on the spot too much, but um, could you tell me a, a favorite uh, prayer or, or piece of liturgy or piece of scripture that you are commonly going back to over and over again in your work? I'll, I'll 
I'll tackle that one. So I, uh, I, the blessing right now to work with paratroopers, which are uh, soldiers who jump out of airplanes. So they will voluntarily. They, voluntarily, yeah. <laughs> I think it's yeah. not jumping per- if it's not voluntarily. Perfectly, perfectly good <laughs> airplanes. Well, they're, they're Air Force planes, but I got to say that every time they're Air Force planes. Yeah. So I don't know. It, maybe the safest way is through the door. But um, I, I try to get to as many jumps as possible um, as the chaplain, whether I'm actually jumping or not. I am qualified to jump, and I do as uh, when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but I even I find no matter where a soldier is coming from, as long as I keep the prayer fairly neutral, I mean, I know who I'm praying to, you know, is that everyone likes the idea that, that someone's watching over them. Mm-hmm. And so um, I ask that, I, I say some things and usually some kind of hua, you know, puffed up patriotic stuff just to get <laughs> everyone excited about the idea. And then I ask that, you know, God grant us the... Uh, grace of a vigorous exit and the mercy of a soft landing <laughs> that he may lead us to follow his footsteps all the way and all the way is the uh, is the motto for the airborne so oh that's yeah. perfect yeah that's perfect anything else anybody whatever is needed at the time yeah I'm sure you have to call on a, a vast variety of knowledge to, to do your jobs setting circumstances individuals it's changing all the time so uh, my favorite prayer is the one I'm using at the time. <laughs> uh, well, I'll wrap this up and let you all get back to your booth. But uh, if if any of our listeners are particularly interested in this ministry and want to know how they can support it or, or maybe even become a part of it someday, how can they get in touch with you all? Um, the um, Bishop of the Armed Forces webpage is www.basfm.org. B-A-S-F-M. FM.org. Okay. Uh, we have applications information uh, about the work that we do, and we also have the federal uh, Episcopal chaplaincies on Facebook. So people can go there and get some information as well. Uh, my name is uh, Dr. Wally Jensen. I'm the candidate to the bishop. I'm the one that handles all the initial applications. Okay. So they can contact me at wjensen at episcopalchurch.org. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate your time, you guys. And um, that's it for this episode of The Collect Call. We'll see you tomorrow. Well, thanks a lot to Holly for that amazing interview. I had no idea the Episcopal Church had priests who jump out of planes on a regular basis as part of their job description. You might have heard some background noise in the beginning part of the interview. That was a group of visitors and deputies from the Diocese of Texas and Rhode Island uh, who set up shop singing outside of the exhibit hall uh, during lunchtime. Uh, So we're going to play a clearer recording of what they were singing, a hymn to the Holy Spirit on the outro here, uh, so that you can enjoy what was going on uh, down on the floor. I also want to invite you one last time to the live recording of the Collect Call podcast. That's this evening, June 28th at 7 p.m. in the Granite Conference Center at the Salt Lake City Hilton. That's all the way in the back of the lobby uh, near the Starbucks sign. So uh, we hope to see you there, and we'll see you back on the Collect Call tomorrow.